Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Hey everyone, welcome to Group Talk. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Small Groups Pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for a special conversation. This is part two of our group talk topic, focusing on developing an anti-racist culture in our small groups. In part one, Steve had a great conversation with fellow Saddleback pastor, Anthony Miller, about the need for the church to have a heart reformation and the role that the small groups can have in fighting racism. If you missed that conversation, I really encourage you to go back and listen. It was really honest and compelling and convicting. So like many of you, my heart has been so heavy these past few weeks since the videos of the killings of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and the murder of George Floyd came to light. All this on top of a three-month-plus pandemic that's just been disproportionately impacting the Black community. So as these shocking events played out before our collective eyes, most of us are asking, how could such horrific racism still be happening in 2020? How could a black man be brutally killed in the streets in broad daylight by those sworn to protect and serve in front of witnesses? The only ones, though, not surprised, seem to be our black brothers and sisters who deal with systemic, overt, and implied racism day in and day out. They tell us that the only difference in this round is that the cameras were rolling and the world could see the ugly, evil, and sin of racism harming black lives. So we've been overwhelmed by mass media, all these voices, social media coverage of the events, the protests, the riots, and there's just a lot going on. So what is the church's role in this movement? What is our part to play in this conversation? This is a huge opportunity for the church to stand up against hate, to show love, to reflect Jesus' values of peacemaking and justice-seeking. Um, We're speaking to Christians on this podcast, so we are the body of Christ and how we navigate the waters of racism and how we stand together with our black brothers and sisters will have a profound impact on us as individuals, on our churches, on our culture, and for our future generations. Um, Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, his last conversation with the disciples, that our love for one another will prove to the world that we are his disciples. So the world is watching how the church is responding, and and your friends are watching how we're responding, and your small groups are looking as well. Um, And so will they see Jesus in our actions? And so as Anthony said in part one of the podcast, it takes us taking an honest look at ourselves and our lives and places where we have influence. And this is where small groups come in. How can we create safe spaces to talk about these critical foundational issues? How can we initiate conversation, engage well, and sustain meaningful relationships that honor all people as image bearers of God? And how can we develop an anti-racist culture Uh, in our small groups, I think Steve called it a zero tolerance policy for racism that'll lead not just to behavior change, but actual heart reformation. So to help us address these issues is my special guest and friend, Amber Adams Sanders. Amber, thank you so much for being with us. 
Thanks for having me, Carolyn. I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into this topic today. You know, what's interesting is Amber and I had planned to do a podcast about over a month ago, and we had uh, talked about doing a podcast about just having safe conversations um, and creating safe spaces in small groups. That would have been a more generic topic, but then when this happened, it's like God knew that, okay, let's go there. Let's talk about a really tough, tough topic to have in small groups. Um, and so now we're going to dial in specifically to the issues of race. So let me tell you a little bit about Amber. She has an educational background in sociology and cultural anthropology, and she's been working in group life on staff at the Church of Seven Run in Maryland for five years. And Amber came to a small group network lobby conference, I think three or four years ago, where we met. And I don't know if you remember this, but I remember sitting next to you at one of the meals um, and just thinking this woman is so cool and she's so energetic. Um, and just like you had ideas and you were just so high energy and I just love that. And it was such a joy to meet you. Thanks, yeah, I, I, I get that I'm energetic often. <laughs> That's a compliment. It's a huge compliment. You're also younger, so maybe that, you know, over time. But I doubt it. I love that passion about you. Um, and then in that lobby conference, I think she joined um, a small group huddle. Then she became a huddle leader. She's like one of our superstars. So now she's a state leader for Maryland and on our social media team. And many of you might recognize her name because she moderates our small group network Facebook page. Um, so she serves all over the network and she's very familiar with you um, and our audience. So Amber, let's kind of set up this, the background for this conversation. So when it comes to race, we all approach this topic with our own backgrounds, our set of experiences, and uh, our perspectives. And it's informed by so many things. So we don't purport to speak for all, all Black people or Asian people or um, all Christians even. So Amber, uh, tell us a bit about your background, especially your experiences around racism. Yeah. Uh, so my mom is white and my dad's Black. So I grew up in a mixed race home. So the value of race and different cultures was introduced to me really early. And I was able to become really comfortable and enjoy being around people who were different than me. And so that really shaped the way that I interacted with the church and with my faith. So when I became um, more independent and I was often in college and kind of realized there that not everybody was as comfortable mm -hmm. with people who were different than them, that's really where my my passion for teaching and for uh, guiding people into relationship with people who are different than them as a part of the kingdom was really established. And that's actually what drew me into small group life is because we're doing life in community together. And so uh, that's kind of where it all began for me. Yeah, let's um, share a little bit more about that. Like, I know we talked off the air about how um, your passion for small group life and is comes from our belief, and hopefully our whole audience should share this belief, or they shouldn't be small group ministry, that life change happens in relationships. So tell us how that connects with um, your values. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, as, as a church community and doing small group, we believe that we, we see at our church life is better connected mm -hmm. and it's so cliche it's something we say every weekend but for me I really believe that everything that we talk about systemically everything that we talk about as these kind of 
faraway topics of race and politics and religion really boil down to the way that we interact with each other and the way that we do relationship with each other. And so if we can't do relationship and community with people who love Jesus, who look different than us, mm -hmm. then how can we make an impact on our world and on our systems and our policies um, on, on a larger scale? Yeah. And so it really comes down to for us, that's why it's so imperative for us as small group point people to lead our people into loving, compassionate, empathetic relationships relationship with with people who are different than us yeah and so you're gonna help us do that um, I'm gonna try <laughs> I know it's a big topic but I know um, what are some key foundational elements that um, we can develop to create an anti-racist culture in our small groups so when we were kind of talking about this before I think that is so overwhelming to think this anti-racist how do we change our culture <laughs> to be something that that's not what we are right now and so it kind of boils down to three i got it down to three all right number one value boundaries okay number two consider story mm -hmm. and number three bring in new perspectives so if you're ready i'll just dump, jump go right for into it. it yeah go for okay. it let's um yeah, let's talk about the first one. And maybe as we talk about the value one, um, okay, give me a sec. Let's back it up a sec and talk about why we might not be having conversations about race in small groups. Um, like what are some obstacles to kind of clear out of the way? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get them out the way. Uh, <laughs> so number one, I definitely think it, it, race is such a taboo topic because mm -hmm. everybody defines and has a different relationship with race. And sometimes we're taught that talking about race is a negative, mm -hmm. that if I notice race or if I point out race, that I'm, uh, I don't want to be called racist or I'm going to say the wrong right. thing or whatever. And so people tend to avoid those conversations so that they don't, they don't even have to go there. Um, I think that also we are afraid that if we start talking about race with people who we think are like-minded and then we find out that <laughs> we view the world differently that that relationship is going to be broken and right. it won't be able to be repaired especially in our small groups right. where we may have you know we're talking about jesus and love and relationship right. and kind of nice things and so when we talk about hard things yeah. we don't want them to polarize we don't want them to polarize us and a lot of times when the conversation of, of race tends to go that way and so really this is kind of like we're i think these these points will help us lean into mm -hmm. that and, and work through that messiness and work through the hard conversation versus drawing us away from each other or breaking apart your right. small Right. Oh, that's such a good point. I think you're absolutely right. But with like, with like any other hard topic, sometimes just even saying, hey, guys, this is a hard topic and we all our emotions are going to run high on this, um, depending on your background and what you're watching and what you're thinking and, uh, you know, all of that. 
Um, so just kind of naming the elephant even to say, hey, it's a hard topic, but it's not one we can avoid anymore. I mean, it's just been too long avoided. Um, that's why we, we have, we are where we are right now. So just to acknowledge it's awkward, it's messy, it's going to be hard. People's feelings are going to get hurt. <laughs> And we're going to have to ask forgiveness and we're going to have to do some repair. I think setting the expectation um, is helpful um, to doing it. So, yeah. So we want to encourage everyone. Yeah, do the hard thing. So invite the conversation. All right. So that's some of the barriers. And I'm sure we'll touch on that as we go. Okay. Now go for it. Number one, value boundaries. I love that. What? Uh, explain what that is. So, and, and I think what, what you were saying leads directly into value boundaries is value boundaries are simply rules for engagement, particularly on hard topics. Mm. And so I think I, so we teach our groups at Severn Run to have value boundaries and to discuss value boundaries at the beginning of every semester. And they're basically, how are we going to honor each other in, in this conversation and in our group time? Mm -hmm. um, and so when we're talking about race, I think that a special set of value boundaries <laughs> is helpful because then you're acknowledging we're, we're going to, we're about to have a hard conversation. Right, right. We're going to talk about things that we may not agree on. And so what are some ways that we can honor each other? What are some rules mm. that we are going to adhere to, to make sure that this continues to stay a safe space for this conversation? Um, and so you can decide them as, as a group, what you guys feel comfortable with. It doesn't have to be once that these are the right things. It could yeah, be different are, for every group. Right. But what are like some basic tips you have? Like, just like we have, um, a, you know, a small groups con a covenant around confidentiality or around um, listening. Uh, so what are some quick, like one, two, three that you would say would yeah. fit well for this topic? So number one, actively listen. Yeah. When we're talking about hard stuff, when we're talking about hard stuff, I, I'm so bad at this. I will, <laughs> I'll think about like, as they're talking, I'm thinking about like, okay, this is how I address that point. This yes. is how I address that point. That's, and then I miss what they're saying. Right. And I'm just ready to defend. Um, so number one, actively listen. Number two, um, ask questions yeah. when you don't understand. Um, I'm, also bad at this, I will jump to a conclusion real quick. Okay, so, so Amber, I'm getting the feeling you and I have to be talking about race. <laughs> so you and I are like the same person is what I'm hearing. I have the same issues. <laughs> it's easy to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just. Yeah. Uh, so I'm working on it myself too, is asking questions and asking for clarity when I don't understand. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, so back to uh, value boundaries. Um, you talked a little bit uh, offline about, um, uh, what did you call it? Putting a flag on the field? I forgot. I'm not a football person. Yeah, so. <laughs> me either. It's like the only thing I know. Um, but yeah, so so tossing a flag, having a metaphorical flag, even you can even have a real flag. Maybe mm. it's a dishcloth or a washcloth <laughs> or something. Um, and so when someone violates your value a value boundary that you guys have agreed on together you can throw a flag mm. on the play and that just helps it's 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 lighthearted everybody knows what it's for right it's kind of it playful brings the conversation back to yeah yeah and it brings the conversation back to we're getting away well now we're getting into the thick of this conversation mm -hmm. we can't forget our value boundaries and what we agreed to to keep this a safe conversation so have a you can have a 
literal washcloth and throw it. <laughs> everybody gets one and you can throw it out and just bring the conversation back down to mm-hmm. ground level. Okay, now let's go back into it. And, and it takes practice because yes. it is a hard conversation and it is easy. People get their feelings hurt. People feel very right. passionately. And so you get arguments. Yeah. And you can hear it, right? Like if you're the leader, um, hopefully you're you have your pulse on the emotions running in the room um, and the facial expressions. And so if you, especially if you're looking, having a conversation about race and you have, um, say you're a white leader and you have a person of color um, in the room with you and you just see them shut down, that would be an indicator that something is going on. I think you can call a timeout and say, hey, you know, how are you feeling, Carolyn? Like, I'm seeing, like, you're not saying much, which is be unusual for me. Um, so what's, yeah. you know, so typically, I don't know, I, because we're, we seem to be a little similar on, on how we interact. Usually when topics come up that I feel personally very invested in, and race would be one of them, um, I either go into attack mode and become very uh, lawyerly and argumentative. Um, and I, I just kind of squash people or I, yeah. just shut down, or, or I just shut down because it's too painful. Um, yeah. But neither of those ways I normally operate in. So that would be a clue. And I think for leaders to be on the lookout for who's getting, whose voice is getting louder, who's getting up to, what do we need a timeout or a metaphorical flag mm-hmm. to just say, hey, this, this seems to be kind of you know, heated. What's going on for you? Um, and to care for people that way and to be sensitive to it, knowing that you're walking into something a little yeah. more sensitive. And that can even be one of the value boundaries is Mm. that we're all going to be paying attention to each other. Obviously it falls on the leader to really be the one who's monitoring and keeping the cost of that. But it can also be on, on the people in your group to pay attention to each other. Yeah. I like that. So, and I think that that leads into number two, right? I was just about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be consider story. Mm. So, um, You know, we all have a long, complex history of experiences and factors that have played into who we are as individuals and how we process information. Do we shut down or do we get amped up when we're talking about hard stuff? You know, like all of that stuff and, and doing, having these conversations in your small group is extra special because you're learning you're constantly right. you're, you're doing life with these people and so you're getting to know them and so the story those things that you learn about them when you're not talking about race those are the things that you have to remember when yes. you're having these hard conversations so also so be aware of your story be mm. aware of where your opinion comes from right. and why you have your opinion right what's feeding into that opinion. And then the same for other people. And particularly when we're talking about race in America, you have to consider the historical story also. You you cannot just take your your opinion for face value at what it is now and not consider um, the fact that we have a history Mm -hmm. as a nation that um, is not always comfortable or friendly to talk about. It's real and it has had a huge impact on the conversation. And those are the things that you also need to be paying attention to and be mindful of when you are sharing and discussing race. So you have the right. interpersonal side and then you also have the, you know, let, let's look at the more macro. We're right. Like, 
looking at America side of the conversation. Right. I, that's so, um, yeah, that's a really good frame up. I think Anthony and Steve talked about the criticalness of self um, reflection and self awareness uh, instead of just mouthing off with the last thing you heard on um, Twitter or wherever you yeah. get your information and just taking that as the gospel truth is just some one other person's perspective. And what I have appreciated, Amber, about this around this season is that there's much more of an emphasis on amplifying black voices to be learning yeah. from people of that experience. And racism, as with any other kind of marginalized people um, issue, it, it, it's so much easier to just write it off um, as somebody else's problem. Um, and when you actually sit across from your brothers and sisters in Christ and you know them um, and you hear about the pain that they've experienced because of racism, it touches a whole different level. I think it softens our hearts. It helps us to see this isn't just a political thing at all. This is a justice thing. And it's an incredibly painful, painful yeah. thing. And that takes down the resistance. I think when you're sharing your personal story, it's hard for people to attack that um, or to put that into a box and put it away from them because this is like, oh, this is John. I know John. You know, we, we've hung out. Wow, John's experienced racism. I mean, that, that makes a really big difference. And so people kind of need to hear each other's stories and people to humbly say, hey, I didn't know this was an issue. Um, I'm yeah. sorry. And kind of collectively take that step. Yeah, and I think, too, when you can do that, when you can be humble and hear other people's stories, then it makes you more open to experiences that contradict your personal experience. You know, yes. we're, we're limited, and, and all of us are, that we're limited to our personal experience, and that's okay, that's normal. Um, I, think the, I think the issue in having this conversation about race is when you take your experience as the end-all be-all, and you can't take in any other information that goes against your experience. So when you're having these conversations and you are act actively listening and you're mm -hmm. asking questions and you're open to story, it builds compassion and it allows you to see things from a new lens, see things through a new lens that maybe you didn't see it before. And that may change right. your heart in, in the way that you, or even just the way that you relate to people mm -hmm. that you think are in the wrong. And if it's coming from someone you trust, um, our, on the executive team, our pastor discipleship is a black man and he, he's usually super calm and he doesn't speak a whole lot about uh, controversial things, but um, he put out a little video for our church congregation just on um, his experience of racism growing up in a very white suburban area. Um, and he was very calm about it. He just said, hey, you know, if you think racism isn't real, let me tell you, hey, this is kind of, and he kind of listed out some events that happened in his life. And then he also said, and I've also been uh, really blessed with privilege. And he talked about having both um, parents and, you know, and that are still married. And now that's more rare for a black man to have. And he talked about education and just different ways that he's been privileged and blessed. And, and so kind of really um, took the, what is it, people's defensiveness off? And the responses has been overwhelming because they're looking at somebody who is, you know, someone really respected and adored in our church and realizing, oh my gosh, someone's doing this to him. And now it becomes, uh, you know, more personal. But I have to ask you this. I've been reading a lot about how um, some people, um, you know, don't, some blacks don't want 
to be um, the person that, that has to educate, that they're tired of it. They're tired of being the voice for their friends. Stop, you know, I've seen the, the trend say, you know, stop asking me um, what I think or how, I, how you should think or stop using me to make yourself feel better. You know, go research on Google instead. Um, what, what do you think, how can we um, not be putting that additional burden on our black friends and instead, allow them to speak if they want to or not. Like, I think now people are even more concerned about, I can't ask my black friend anything because, you know, they might be burdened and I don't want to put an initial burden on them. Well, can we move back around to this question for a third point? Oh, perfect. Okay. Yes. Let's do yeah. the third point. Okay. Yeah. And, and on that note, when you were talking about with the story and, and with um, the friend from your church, hearing story minimizes the polarization too, I think, because you can actually see the complexity mm -hmm. and the nuances in people's stories Absolutely. versus it's either A or B. Right. Because, you know, it can be, it can be complex and that's okay. Yeah. And I think we kind of think it's either, or you're either a racist or you're not, but it's really more of a spectrum, yeah. right? And we are probably yeah. all on it. We're probably all guilty of it. Um, even people of color are, I mean, it's, we internalize a lot of racism. That's a big issue in Asian American communities. So it's, kind of being aware and asking God to show us where we are on that spectrum and how we're responding to these events actually tells us a little, a lot about where we are. That's a good yeah. point. All right. So point yeah. three. Okay. So point three is bringing new perspectives. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and so number one, I mean, when you're talking about race, it's important that you cross-reference your information. So we're, the last point was talking about story and personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so the next is talking about cross-referencing your information. A lot of us get information from particular places that we mm -hmm. enjoy listening to or we right. enjoy. Just That's just normally where we get our information. So making sure that we are actually holding each other they're responsible and accountable in our small groups for checking where your information is coming from, knowing the source of your information, right, right. and then incorporating sources into the conversation that are different than what you would normally. Like our discipleship pastor and giving his info. I'd like that prompted a lot of conversation among our white congregation. But I feel like, and like he wanted to share though. I mean, he voluntarily shared, but, but is there a way we can ask um, our black friends to share or should we just let them volunteer it? Or how do we navigate that to not be a burden? So you want to invite new voices into your group space and you want to invite voices that have different perspectives than you, mm -hmm. but you also have to be careful about how you do it. I know that um, there have been times when I have been invited into a space to talk about race or because this space wanted a, a, a new perspective or a different voice, but I felt like they only wanted me for my voice regarding race. And a kind of a tokenism, quote unquote. Right. Right. So, exactly. they, so the issue comes up, wait, let's look around staff who is black. Okay. Oh, here's Amber. Let's bring her in kind of thing. Not necessarily in your yeah. church, but and, I'm saying that idea. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, well-intentioned yes. and it's coming from a good place but you have to be careful that when you're inviting in a new voice or you're inviting in a voice for a different perspective you want to invite them in as a person that you value mm -hmm. and that you want them to 
actively be a part of your community. You're inviting them into friendship and relationship. And that doesn't always mean that they are going to be talking about race. Also, you have to acknowledge in yourself that this person is not a representative for for their race. They cannot, they can only speak from their story and their experience. They can't speak for everybody that has the same color skin as them. Um, So that, so I would say, and and be honest too, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be like, people know when you're, when you have an agenda. And so if you are being honest and saying, Hey, my group is really trying to expand our minds and build relationship with people who are different than us. Would you be a part of coming into our space? Mm -hmm. And we want you to know that we are going to value you as a person, as Amber, not for, not as a person of color or a person who is different than us. Um, And, and two, you also have to be careful. This is, it's, it's, it's good. And it's, challenging to do well when you're inviting when you're inviting people who are different than you into group um you want to try to to invite more people who are different (laughs) into your group so that this one person is is not right um, the sole voice the sole voice that's different also that they're not taking on the burden of like i'm just here to to represent my race you know yeah what if um the group isn't homogenous. What if it's all white um, and they're trying to have this conversation? What would you recommend there? So, and that's sometimes it's just a matter of our geography, right? Exactly, like we exactly. are demographic, the, the demographics of our area may not lend to us inviting people who are different than us mm-hmm. actually in person into our right. group. But this goes to just incorporating different voices through your literature or through mm-hmm. different representations of people who are different than you. So you can do a movie night and you can watch a movie that is, um, you know, that represents race. That's talking about race. You guys can read a book together that talks about race. Mm-hmm. You guys can do a study. I think I do not always check who, who yes. is writing the content of what I'm reading or what I'm taking mm-hmm. in. And so also checking who, when's the last time we did a study that's, that was different than, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, that brought the in a mainstream. different perspective right. yeah, than, than we normally do. And so in, in incorporating different voices through your actual Bible study or through your mm-hmm. curriculum and uh, be the bridge. There's lots of resources, but be the bridge is a very popular Christian. They use the term reconciliation um, mm-hmm. ministry and they actually do curriculum for uh, creating conversation around race in particular and racial reconciliation. But you also, I mean, you have some, you can even do a, a, a devotional on you version. There's one that's called unity. Um, and okay. so it, it can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can just be incorporating a new, a different perspective. Yeah. And I think opening yourself up to other voices, especially um, the Christian world. And I love the movie idea because there's some really great movies that touch on these topics without being like lecturing about it, but just actually, and story, it's, it's a story, right? Movies are stories. So it kind of tugs on your heart in a different way and you get to see um, 
kind of walk in other people's shoes. I mean, what you're really talking about is building empathy, not just sympathy. Okay, so I know we're out of time, but I have to ask you this because this has kind of been burdening me. So we're inviting and encouraging and even exhorting our small groups to try to create safe spaces for conversations about race. Do you have any fear or concern that the conversations will go badly? Like I'm thinking about, um, I love our small group leaders, but I'm thinking about some that just generationally may be different, their own experience, where they grew up. That I'm I'm concerned they can't have the relationship, they can't have the conversation well, um, and that also you know is because I'm a control freak. But it um, it worries me. I almost feel like. Um, and I know this is probably not the way Jesus wanted, but I almost feel like if they can't have the conversation well, I don't want them to have it at all because it'll just damage more people. And then they'll walk away thinking, oh, I did it and check off the box and then it'll be worse. Like, do you know what I mean? Or am I like being too neurotic with this? To me, it, <laughs> it, it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's happening anyways. People are having That's the conversation. That's so reassuring, Amber. <laughs> They're having bad conversations. <laughs> Sorry, that's not the hopeful message that you were looking for. Um, no, it's going to happen. I mean, people have people have their set of opinions and perspectives that they're not willing to change or to be open to, it, it, whether they're in the church or they're not in the church. They're having their conversations. They are bold. They are stuck yeah. in their ways. It, and, that, and that is what it is. That is not an excuse for not yeah. having the conversation. Of course. And I think that that's where we kind of started, started mm -hmm. the um, kind of going into what are some essential keys to having this conversation or to making your group, uh, developing your anti-racist culture is that it is hard. It is going to be messy and it is people's feelings are going to be hurt. But there's a scripture in Hebrews 12, 11 that says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, mm -hmm. but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Uh, I think at, for us as Christians, we have a responsibility. Yeah. I mean, it's a foundational part of who we are as Christians that we are constantly trying to transform and to be more like Jesus. Right. And if we want to avoid these conversations because we're afraid that that uh, people aren't going to change or that fights are going to happen. Um, it's hindering us as in our walk with Jesus. Also, I would say it's fair. I, I hate, I don't like conflict. Honestly, people would say, Amber, that's not true. I don't like conflict. And these conversations make me personally super uncomfortable. And I don't always feel like I'm equipped to yeah. navigate them. But what I also try to remember for myself and try to tell group leaders is that we are not responsible mm -hmm. for uh, the lives of others. And so in, in, in our groups, if we're doing community together, right. then we're adults and <laughs> we are free to have whatever opinion we want to have. Right. Uh, but when we're having the discussion, if it goes off the rail, one, you have to trust that people can speak for themselves. And two, that we're going to come back next week and we're going to meet together again and we're going to continue to have this conversation because it is our responsibility as Christians to lean into hard stuff and to lean into countercultural things 
and to be a representative of who Jesus is to the world. Yeah. And we cannot do that if we're divided by skin color or right. culture. So, yeah. I, so I would add three to that, which is um, that we can trust God in it. Um, even if it's painful, even if it's hard, that I think you pray like crazy, you lead through the conversation. Yeah. Sometimes in the middle of it, you pray. And as our, um, our audience is all point leaders, yeah, expect more phone calls. Um, you're going to have, what, have your leaders go help. How do I do this? Um, and I'm offering Amber just, you know, out there. Um, you can connect with her on their Facebook page and ask her, okay, I did what you said. I've invited the messy conversation and now it blew up. And how do I help um, bring about healing? And I, I think the times where that has happened in any instance, not even just about race, um, there is an opportunity for reconciliation and there's opportunity for really loving one another beyond the superficial niceness uh, when you actually get into the heart of where people are at. So the opportunity, the upside is huge, but we have to go through it to get there. Mm -hmm. um, so Amber, thank you so much for um, sharing your thoughts. And I just, I love hanging out with you. <laughs> I, I didn't realize we had that much in common. <laughs> I mean, just a cooler version. Um, yeah. So you, uh, no, I don't know about that. It's true. My kids don't find me cool at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you are active on our Facebook page, and so you can um, interact with Amber there and ask questions. And I hope people will interact. Um, and I love how diverse our Facebook page is. Yeah. Um, and people are, are kind, and we teach one another and share with one another. So um, I hope you can – engage with her there and if you want to talk to her offline or you can invite her to a huddle i'm just offering your time all over the place uh, <laughs> that's fine you guys got till september and then i got a baby coming so i know <laughs> it's gonna be the best um do you know if you're having a girl girl or a boy and we're having a girl you are oh, it's so fabulous okay well we'll look forward to yeah. those until september after that you're on your yeah. own <laughs> i'll all be right. back well, after that well, thank you so much. God bless you and your ministry. Thanks, Carolyn. And like she said, I'm here for you guys. I'm not an expert, but I love people and I love groups. So let me know if you need some help. Yeah. And Amber's going to put together a uh, blog article with the resources that she mentioned um, for you guys to use and talk with your small groups about what you want to engage in to get those different voices or just educate yourself. Perhaps it's something you want to share with the senior leadership if um, there's some resistance there and you can look through the materials and we just want to be helpful to you and your church and your ministry. So thank you all for listening to Group Talk and until next time, remember we are better together. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and thank you so much to Carolyn and Amber for that great episode. We really hope that it blesses your small groups. Now, before we go, let's talk about a few things. Have you created your free membership yet with Small Group Network? Make sure you visit smallgroupnetwork.com to get amazing resources straight to your inbox. Also, on smallgroupnetwork.com, you can check out Peter Clow's article called For One Another's to Promote Unity Within Your Group's Ministry. It is an incredible article, and I know you'll love it. Lastly, huddles. I can never say enough great things about huddles. Within the first few months of me being a small group point person, I was invited to the Central Maryland Huddle led by an SGN legend, Cynthia Considine. Her huddle helped equip me to do better groups ministry, and I started a huddle of my own. Get plugged into one today. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com slash huddles to get connected. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Group Talk, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.